The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, i got a few things to talk to you about. One being the QuantEdge.com. Are you tired of getting crushed by the pros? DFS players, sports bettors, listen up. The QuantEdge.com is the tools you need to play like a pro. With our lineup optimizer, injury tool, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, and head-to-head tools, you'll be armed with everything you need to win. Make up to 150 lineups in seconds. See matchups to exploit and compare players to help you make the right decisions you are on the fence about at the QuantEdge.com. You get exclusive access to our industry experts, articles, podcasts, TQE community, and much, much more by joining the QuantEdge.com. We at Benched with Bubba have a special deal for our loyal listeners. Using promo code BENCHED, you get 10% off the season-long subscription and 10% off the first month. 10% off whatever package you prefer. Just use promo code BENCHED when you check out, and you'll get up to 10% off of the package you prefer. Also, go check out Draft.com. Draft in your app store. A great way to play fantasy sports. Snake-style drafts just the way you like it. Done in under five minutes. They have football going on. They have basketball, hockey, Golf, baseball will come back next season. With so much great stuff going over there, there's different ways to play it. You can play quarterbacks only. You can play experts so that there's none of the top players. So much going on. But use promo code SD Sports when you check out and you get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice on draft.com. Check out Draft in your app store. Promo code SD Sports for entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. Last but not least, can you please go to iTunes and give a rating and review for the podcast? Much, much appreciate it. It will help move us along, get more listeners, and make us a bigger and better product for you. Now, to Bench with Bubba, episode 126 with guest Joe Saunders talking 2019 look-aheads for some players in fantasy baseball. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 126. Going to talk some fantasy baseball, look at some 2019 kind of thoughts on some players and some early looks at the first NFBC draft of the season. 
In order to do so, I'm joined by a special guest. You can find his work on the Fantasy World Order podcast, and you can find him on Twitter at Joe FWO. Joe Saunders, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me, man. Thanks a lot. I'm 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 excited to be here. I'm excited to talk some early fantasy baseball. Yeah, it never ends. It never ends. I could talk baseball year round. It's uh sometimes it's hard to find the topics to discuss this time of year, but uh, we'll make it work. Something always pops up, and you know, recently the uh, Greg Ambrosius tweets of the early uh, NFBC drafts got my attention. But before we dig into those, anything going on on your fantasy baseball world that's uh, on your mind before we dig in? Uh, fantasy baseball, no, but I'm adamantly watching the Houston Astros. So let's go, yeah. baby. That, that is my pick to win the whole darn thing. It's the, I got them versus the Brewers. That was my pick before the playoffs started. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But, oh, man, uh, I hope so. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I, I know there's some people that like Brewers aren't a good market, blah, 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 blah. I think that would be a fun, uh, fun series right there. So all that. And then, you know, it, it never gets old right now with all our buddies out there at the Arizona Fall League. Uh, did you see that Vladito um, clip uh, that's going viral? Yeah, that- yeah. Everyone's going crazy about it. I mean, the, the, the most impressive part about that clip is that he clearly adjusts mid at bat, like mid swing. Yeah. He waits on that pitch and crushes it. I mean, he's just huge. He's huge. He's absolutely gigantic. It's like every time last year I'd see clips and then seeing stuff like that, it's just like Blue Jays, F you. Like, <laughs> seriously, F you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really the MLB's fault, though, right? Yeah, no. And and I've said that so many times. It's not the, – the, the Blue Jays are a business, and it makes sense because they're not contending why spend money. So, yes, you are 100% correct on that. It is an MLB fault. Do you think they're going to change that? Because, you know, you got Eloy Jimenez and his guys are going to start like, suing them. I, th- I think they're going to have to. I mean, um, you know, I just heard the report, I think, yesterday that Chris Bryant, um, they, the Cubs have discussed a lot of money with Chris Bryant, and he supposedly doesn't want to stay there um, because of the whole uh, ordeal at, with, with controlling his service time. So, yeah, I mean, I think they have to because – Right in the past in the nineties, I know we're taking a huge tangent right now, but no, in the, the past in the nineties, right? Like in the nineties and the early two thousands, all those steroid users got paid like into their thirties. But now, you know, the best time to pay pay a player is like when they're peak twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. And like these players are not getting that money. They're getting paid poorly through arbitration because the arbitration process is broken in its own right. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure the union's probably going to put up a big fight. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how it turns out because they have to do something. Like, they can't just keep allowing this to happen. Um, these guys deserve to get paid. to be like telling you or anybody, say someone worked at a department store and they were the best qualified person. It's like, nope, you got to be here for six more years before you can make that job. That is just absolutely ridiculous. So yeah. uh, you can't hold people back like that. So we'll see how it goes. But I- I'm curious. I love seeing this wave of new players. I think I talk about them on every single show I do baseball-wise. I'm guessing you guys probably do too because it's hard to enjoy them. It's hard to uh, not talk about them. So many great things about them. Yeah, I mean, players are coming up earlier and more ready than ever. I mean, there's so many guys that have come up in this decade that have just been ready and they've been great. Like right, right 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 out of the gate. Yeah, it's been wild. Like this last year with uh, Acuna, obviously, and then Juan Soto, like not even 20 years old yet when he shows up. It's just like 
I remember what I was doing at his age, and it definitely wasn't even thinking about hitting a major league fastball um, <laughs> or adjusting on a curveball. And he does it all, and he hits lefties great. Like it, it's, I'm jealous, and it's actually amazing. Yeah. So, well, let's we're going to talk about some of those guys here. So let's just get into it. We'll talk about the early NFBC marked, or actually real draft going on. Greg Ambrose just runs the NFBC. And he's been tweeting out as each round kind of goes. The first three rounds he's tweeted out so far. And it kicked off yesterday. And I don't know about you, but that first round of Trout, Betts, Acuna, Jose Ramirez, Lindor, Scherzer, Altuve, Turner, J.D., Yellick, Baez, Bregman, Arenado, Machado, and Harper. Something stood out there for me, Joe. What about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, number three seems pretty, pretty high. I mean, uh, going before Jose Ramirez, Lindor, J.D., Arenado, Yelich, Machado, and Bregman, I just can't see it happening. Acuna is good. I get it. Um, he's He should probably be closer to, like, the back end of round one. Um, but he just doesn't have the elite, elite discipline profile like those other guys I just mentioned. So he shouldn't be in front of them. Plus, right, like, uh, I mean, how... How could you have a better season than Jose Ramirez had just had? Even even though he like completely tanked in the last five weeks, he still had an absolutely bananas fantasy season. So like, you can't take him before Joe, Joe Ram. No, it, it was pretty crazy to me. Like, I get the love um, and the two early mocks before they got shut down. I was in the one with Ralph Lifshitz who took him uh, at around twelve. That sounds uh, his right. high. Yeah, I, and I can I can respect that. Into the first round, fine. Yeah, I, I get that. Like in in the mock drafts, there was nine ish leagues, maybe more. By the end of it all, um, he was going around fifteenth, which totally makes sense. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Yeah. Um, which which mock draft were you in? Oh, uh, I actually wasn't in one, so um, I have a little bit of an excuse. I am, um. Getting married in two months, so I'm doing a lot well, of wedding. Congratulations! Thank congratulations. you very much. Yes, do not do mock drafts. Do whatever she says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I give you any advice, do whatever she says for You'll the probably next see her. two She's months. Right behind me, but yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I, I, if I give you any advice, I've been married for almost six years. I've been with my wife for almost thirteen. So do whatever she says. Just trust me on that. It's about I all I can tell you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wasn't in one. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, good reason. But yeah, he went. I'm looking back now. Actually, Acuna because they were twelve man. He went 14th to Smata. Smata was in mine. That's right. Smata took him at 14. And um, at first I'm thinking, okay, that's crazy. But then the more you look at Acuna, the more people talk about it. I'm like, when you're looking at him next year and you're agreeing into the first round makes sense, what are you thinking of this guy? Because I've heard people say this is like the next Mike Trout, which I can see in a, in a window. At the same time, I could be like, okay, maybe he's the next Bryce Harper, which is good. But we know the headaches that can give you in a fantasy season. Yeah, so I, I, I think he's he's probably not Harper. Um, I I mean, I could see the comparison to Trout. Um, I mean, how much did he strike out last year? Like 20, 25% it was? Let me let me look it up real quick. Sorry. I got him right here. It's my, he struck out in, in the big 25.3%. 25, yeah, I mean, that's really not so bad. Um, you know, a 293 batting average. I mean, he kind of put it all together, and he, he actually surpassed my expect- expectations. Um, you know, I remember I projected him for, like, a 15-15 type season, and that display at the end where he kind of just popped off um, really helped him 
to leap him into 26 home runs. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a well-disciplined hitter. Um, he, he can hit for power. He obviously has the speed. Um, the Braves are going to be really good. So, um, he'll be able to score some, some more runs. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's hard to, it's just hard to put him in front of guys that have already done it. Um, and who have a little bit more experience. That's kind of what it comes down to for me. Um, not that I hate Acuna at all. And I think he's, he's destined for big things. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I think the more this offseason plays out and the couple guys we're going to talk about here, there's going to be the term helium used quite a bit with them. And I think you'll see that with Acuna because as you look through the mock draft database, I was in mock draft one. I think it was like the third one to start, though. But it seemed like the, as he went on his hot streak and new draft started, he started going a little sooner and a little sooner and a little sooner. And now he's going third in the NFBC. And, you know, I don't, and it doesn't say who's drafting these guys. So it could just be who knows what. Maybe nah. he's trying to make a statement. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is you were in TGFBI last year. Um, there's going to be, a, what do we have, 13 leagues this last year, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be even bigger next year. And sure, there's going to be some roto and some head to head. What do you think his ADP is when it comes to TGFBI? Um, I think, I honestly do think he'll probably end up at the end of round one. I mean, I can't, I don't think it'll be NFBC like, right? Because NFBC, you can't make trades or you can't add drop. Do you remember? I don't that? think it's trades. No trades. You can definitely add drop, but no trades. Okay. So you can add drop, but you can't make trades, right? So, yeah. So the young players almost always tend to go really high in NFBC because you can't make those trades. So you have to either hit someone on the wire or that's it, right? Like you have yeah. to hit someone on the wire. So um, the young the young kids always go early, right? Because there's no bill of health. So they're probably, they're generally going to be healthier. Um, the, there's a lot of helium, right? So, I, I don't think NFBC is going to be indicative of where he ends up going. And I think, I truly do think like 12 to 15 is where it'll end up. I like that. Um, sixth overall so far, Max Scherzer going off the board. And it was an interesting discussion I had with on Twitter, so everyone could read it. It was Sammy Reed and Scott Jenstead. And we were sitting there going back and forth on the craziness that is starting pitcher Scott tweeted out like the last five years how the number of pitchers that actually get to 200 innings just we knew they dropped i didn't need to see numbers for that but the numbers how they dropped was pretty eye-opening to me um and when it came to the two early mocks max scherzer actually went um eighth overall in mine and when it comes to adp max scherzer is going about nine and a half so between nine and ten do you think this is a, a discussion we had there's going to be maybe eight guys you trust this year. Because last year's tier one was the big four. I think you can almost combine tier like 1A and 1B to like the big eight or ten now. Do you see like Scherzer going this early? Do you see having to get guys early? Because that was an interesting back and forth to have in October, and we still have like four months to figure it out. Sure. Yeah, so I I think he'll actually – he might even go earlier, right? Pete Kershaw was going – I don't know, top four, number top one five. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually surprised Scherzer is so down. Um, I know he's right, 34 years old, um, and he's got a lot of innings on him now. But I mean, he's been as steady as a rock. Um, and actually, coming into this year, I liked Scherzer better than Kershaw. Um, the back was scary to me, um, so I I kind of thought that 
that Scherzer would com- be able to compile the innings. Um, and don't get me wrong, a bad, a quote unquote bad Kershaw year is still mm-hmm. better than like ninety five percent of the league. Um, but yeah, I, I actually think Scherzer will probably creep up further. Um, as far as as far as the, the starting pitching um, crunch, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of. I'm kind of with you, right? Severino was in the two early mocks was taken. Um, it looks like 33rd overall. Um, that's, let's see. That's right before Verlander. And it's sandwiched between Nola and Verlander. Um, and so I probably like Verlander over Severino because of the consistency. But like, even then you're already starting to get question marks, right? Like yeah. what Severino do you get? Do you get first half? Do you get second half? So, um, I, yeah, I could see Scherzer climbing up a little bit. Yeah. Cause it's weird. You got like in the two early mocks, you got Scherzer's going about ninth. Yeah. Kluber going about 20, but then you got DeGrom 22, Kershaw 22. Like they're right next to each other. Um, Nola 28, Severino 33. Like you said, Verlander 34. It's really an interesting congestion. You got Blake Snell 37. So yeah, it's going to be interesting how it all plays out there. Cause it seems like by the end of, say, a 15-team league, by the end of round two, you better have at least one of them or it's going to get shaky. Yeah, yeah. And again, right, like, if I come out of, if I come out at the start with Severino, I don't know how good I feel. I just don't know. Um, yeah. Like, I almost feel better with Blake Snow than Severino. Yeah. It'll be quite interesting this year when it comes down to the uh, starting pitcher position. So, I'm to keep an eye on that. Like, Nola... DeGrom, you obviously can't hate on any of that, but uh, it'll be quite interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, when you look at some more of that first round action, Yellick jumps all the way into number 10, right behind JD, a little before Bregman. What else kind of stood out to you in that first round? Um, uh, Arenado going so low uh, was the was probably the biggest. Um, I imagine that Arenado will probably be, uh, you know, closer to top six than – Top six ish, yeah. Then, what was he? Twelfth, eleventh, thirteenth? I don't have it. Thirteenth, thirteenth, thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. What is he in the two early marks? He's yeah, five in the two early. Yeah, I I took him at five in the one I was in. Yeah, there's. I mean, right. If I'm like eighth in in whatever league, he's not getting past me. Or there's no way. I mean, he's he's so consistent. Yeah, it'd be pretty crazy to go that far. Let's jump into the second round action. So wrapping it back around. It goes Judge, Sale, DeGrom, Story, Nola, Kershaw, Kluber. So as you're seeing, a run of starting pitchers. Stanton, Benintendi, Blackman, Snell, Freeman, Adalberto Mondesi goes 13th in the second round. Goldschmidt, and then Juan Soto. So some big names coming off the board. There are lots of pitchers kind of going with like you talked about. What's your thoughts on Adalberto Mondesi going, what, 27th, 28th overall? Yeah, so um, I know you were in on the discussion today that uh, yeah. myself, uh, Toby from Backflip Crazy, and my co-host Pat had um, about the Mondesi and VR comps, right? So I, I just want to break that down for whoever wasn't on that. So um, VR stole bases at the same clip of his breakout um, once he was traded to the O's, right? So uh, my colleagues, right, think that the same might happen with Mondesi as they're both on bad teams and they should be able to be free to run. So Montesi's obviously got a ton of category juice, um, but he's probably going to hurt himself in runs um, because there's no guarantee to be at the top of the lineup, even though it's an 
awfully weak lineup. Um, you know, if he gets off to an extremely slow start and is batting 200, I mean, you can't you can't keep someone at the top of your lineup batting 200. It's just not going to happen. And um, and and that really hurts. So I I think I think even with the category juice, it probably shouldn't be going inside the top 100 um, because the, the the variance is so high. Right, like the, the comp I always like to make is Javier Baez. Right, last year we were drafting Baez at like 140, um, pretty much across everywhere. Right, because the variance is so high. Right, you didn't know what you were going to get. We all thought Baez had this sort of potential, but at the same time, he could have been an absolute zero and hurt your team. And I think Montesi's a little bit similar, but he's probably got a longer leash because the team's awful. No, I'm with you there because. I, I, Javi Baez is definitely one of the guys I'm taking a big L on this year. I, I was definitely concerned about his swing and, swing and miss rate and all that kind of good stuff. And yeah, it, it didn't happen this year. But, but uh, it's weird with Alberto. I, I love the talent. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of like the Ozzy Albies hype last year, but it's even worse. Uh, going 28th overall is pretty crazy. Like the, in the two early mocks, he's going around 73, 74. But George Bissell took him at 39. And, and, and that was the highest pick. And Bissell's all over him. If you follow Bissell's timeline, he's in love with Alberto. And it's like, if that's the case, George, you get him. I am not doing it. It's not happening. Um, I, I do love his talent. I agree with what you said. He's going to be on a bad team for a while. So he should be able to produce for a little bit. But the average, you know, he, he crushed it of late. It just wasn't normal for what we've seen from him, which kind of surprised me a bit. But uh, the speed's legit. So that's definitely oh, going to yeah. keep it on. That, that's never going to fade it, but it's like the old Billy Hamilton things. You can't steal first base. Sure. So, and, and maybe the hit tools have changed. He's still super young. Maybe there's a lot to like here. I just got to be like slightly hesitant on what the heck's going on there. Well, but uh, I guess I guess we'll wait and see. If he if he were to fall around seventy four, I think I'd be okay with it. What about you? Yeah. So I'm I'm interested at in that price, but I still I'm still probably not drafting him within the top one hundred. Like even though even though um I. I just recently um, discussed Matt Chapman on a Baffle Crazies podcast, right? Um, and about how I think even at 84, he's probably too high um, because I think he's a lot like Justin Turner, who you can get even later. I'd probably rather have Matt Chapman at 84 over Montessi at 70, whatever. I know they're com- two completely different players, right? But I feel very comfortable in Matt- predicting Matt Chapman, where again, Montesi has a huge, huge range of outcomes. I mean, what's like, what's your, what's your like, ninety fifth percentile projection for Montesi? Like for me, it's probably like two seventy five, twenty five home runs and like fifty five steals. Two seventy five, ninety, yeah, ninety five percentile is part of. So I'm thinking. You know, if, if I draft them, I'm I'm floored I'm flooring at like a two sixty ish. Give me like eighteen, fifteen to eighteen homers. Steals are gonna be the same pretty much, but like average and power, I'm I'm expecting to decrease. And so yeah, ninety five percentile outcome, I could see that. And it, like you said, is that enough to get the job done? Yeah, I mean that's probably like that's probably like top eight. To yeah, be fair. It's really, really good. It's really, really good. <laughs> Yeah. It, it no, probably it's gonna work out. But, but that's and the then, thing, like and then what's the floor? Like two ten, like fifteen, and since he is never on base, maybe like forty, you know? Yeah, and like the forty's still nice, but that two ten bad number is gonna destroy you. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So yeah, it's weird, but like there's that upside where it's like you know who he reminds me of is the love everybody had for Trey Turner last year. He's Oh, are maybe, you on the are you on like the Trey Turner shouldn't be in the top six hate train? Because that's that's what I'm on. <laughs> well, I was I was against it last year. Um, are, you, are you still and, against it? Yeah, because well, yeah. A, the guy, the, a, the guy can't stay healthy. Like, how can you give a draft pick up there? Like, I'd rather take Ronald Acuna in the top six than Trey Turner. Yeah, yeah. And, so, oh, my God, like, Trey Turner, man, Trey Turner. I mean, he has improved. Um, he has improved some of the plate discipline skills, which is good. But, yeah, I mean, he can't stay healthy. Um, I mean, he didn't steal as frequently this year as, as previously. Um I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard to take him so early for me. Yeah, and one guy that I am looking at, if um, if I have to pick like a modesty type, and he's going ninety eighth overall, I'd look at Jose Peraza. I think I'd rather gamble there than pay up like in the top forty for Adelope Mondesi. So that's where I'm at. Not saying I'll do that either, but I, I think they're very comparable to me at least. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't agree. <laughs> I, I, I think I think Mondesi's got more pop, for sure. Um, but I, I yeah, like I I kind of think that Peraza's safer, safer. Like if you, it, I mean, like everything, right? It's like roster construction. If you needed the home run, then sure, go Mondesi. If you needed to bank some steals and play kind of safe, um, then Peraza's probably the guy. So yeah, I think they're just a little different um, in terms of, like, roster construction. All right. What's your thoughts of Juan Soto going 30th overall? Uh, I think it's a crime that he went after Mondesi. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to argue against a player with such ridiculous discipline at such a young age, right? Like, you mentioned it before. I mean, he's probably closer to a 30-home run hitter than he is a 20-home run hitter at this point in his career. And with such an Excellent skill set. I mean, he's a great bet to repeat the batting average. Um, and the batting average is what's really going to make him a valuable asset because um, more and more in this league, we're seeing guys that strike out more and more and can't produce the 290, 300 batting averages. So someone like Soto is extraordinarily valuable. And then in OPS leagues, I mean, he can take a walk too. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I kind of, I'm cool with it. Yeah. I like him there for sure. I think he's. Definitely worthy of that price point. And we're seeing a lot of pitchers in that second round. So it's quite, quite interesting, but nothing else really too crazy. Because Goldie drops, Blackman and Benintendi, but that's going to happen with all these new names coming in and out. Uh, the, the bats, we're going to have bats for like four rounds where you can just take the next best available and rock and roll pretty much. Yeah. Let's go to the third round real quick. Um, leading off the third round, this one surprised me. Glaber Torres goes 31st overall. Then you got Verlander, Bauer, Cole, Syndergaard, more pitchers. Merrifield, Severino. The fact that Merrifield went after Mondesi kind of surprised me as well. Yeah. Uh, Chris Chris Bryant, Bogarts, Gary Sanchez, a catcher going 40th overall surprised me. Hoskins, Carrasco, Starling Marte, Carlos Correa, and Ozzy Albies. So what's your thoughts on that Merrifield going that late? Oh, my man. I, I really, really like Merrifield. Um, I mean, he's been consistent for two years now. I mean, like, yeah, like why, especially someone like Trey Turner, right? Like why pay up for Trey Turner when you get with what, however many, what, two rounds later, right? So you can get you can get your JD and essentially a Trey Turner light clone uh, two rounds later. So uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a big whip believer. I believed uh, coming into this year that it was real. 
Um, he's definitely fast. He can definitely put the bat on the ball. Um, yeah, so I, I'm still with it. Yeah, I remember preseason last year, uh, as like the month leading up to the start of the year, I do a lot of fantasy polls on my handle. And I did um, – I tried to do guys close in ADP at positions. And I did Whit Merrifield or Daniel Murphy. And I, I knew Murphy was hurt. And literally, I think it was 60 or 65% picked Daniel Murphy because they none of them thought Whit Merrifield could do it again. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, and that you know what you know what that's uh that goes to show you the name value in um in fantasy baseball, right? Like sometimes having having a guy just based on name value alone and then trading him is a is a really good uh a really good strategy because I mean Whit Merrifield led the league in stolen bases, so yep. and he was great last year. It's not like he was he was bad last year. Um, yeah. That that's crazy. I'm I'm interested to see what what you can pull out of your hat this year, like for wit or some or maybe someone else. Maybe um, I don't know who can we think of. You do wit and Ozzy Albies. Yeah, I guarantee, I guarantee you it'll be close. And yeah, yeah. Be interesting to see how that plays out. You're probably right. You're probably right. But yeah, wit man, he's just so good. Actually, they're they're going they're going back to back. In the two early mocks. Oh. Shit, yeah, they are 42 and 42. <laughs> like literally 0.2 points apart. Um, so yeah, you got Wit right there. Again, tons of pitchers went. What's your thoughts on Glaber Torres going 31st? That one shocked me. I don't know if yeah. I'm more surprised by Acuna or that. I mean, right, that's gotta be the Yankee helium, no? Gotta be, right? Yeah. You're I mean, in the Northeast. Tell me. <laughs> oh my god. Well, yeah, and and so in one of my home leagues, right, where you know, we're a bunch of New Yorkers, so um, like we we like the the non Yankee fans know to stay away from the Yankee players because it just gets ridiculous. I mean, even like Severino, even Judge, everyone goes too high. Um, so I think that's just a case of this. I mean, he 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 definitely held his own, and I had I had my reservations about Torres too coming in. Um, right with the 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 uh, Tommy John surgery. Um. You know, I, I mean, I guess that didn't really affect Sano all that much, um, it, and it hasn't affected other player uh, position players all that much. But still, I was a little worried. Um, he missed some time. He missed a lot of time, right? So he was coming back. Um, so yeah, I, I I was worried coming in. He he did handle his own, right? Twenty four home runs, six steals, two seventy one. Um, that's not bad. I'm sure he's going to improve. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a crowded Yankee lineup. So, um, hitting towards the back end of the lineup doesn't really help as so much of running RBI opportunities are just a function of, uh, batting order more so than team construction. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty expensive. Yeah. It's a little wild for me. And then Gary Sanchez, who literally didn't do much this year because he's hurt most of the time and honestly can't catch. So it's gonna be hard to play him a ton next year. Uh, he goes 40th overall. And I thought we were all on the mindset that catchers were dead and you can wait on things, but uh, apparently not this person. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm totally punting catcher this year. Um, I don't know. Just, just figure it out. I, I mean, he, this is probably higher than he was going last year. No, uh, maybe not. He was probably like, probably like 25 last year. Yeah, he's got to be close, but yeah, not not to that extent. And uh, let's see where he's at in the two early mocks, real quick, because he can't be that high either. I mean, to be fair, right? A one ninety seven BAPIP, a one ninety seven BAPIP's like pretty bad. Like you got to yeah. almost try and like 
hit it right at guys. Um, and I know he made still a lot of hard contact, um, and he and he put the barrel on the ball a lot. Um, so a lot of it is just bad luck. Um, but he's probably too slow to really be a 304 BAPIP guy. Um, so he's probably more like a 260 hitter or so. Um, I mean, the power's real. Um, he was mm-hmm. definitely hurt. Um, he missed a lot of time. So the power's real. But yeah, you're right. Um, he's probably not going to catch. Uh, we have to see what the Yankees do with that outfield. Um, because you have to imagine that Stanton's going to be still the primary DH. So does Sanchez shift over to first? Um, he's probably not going to take too, too much time from um, Stanton at DH. So how many at-bats or how many plate appearances does he end up? I don't know. I mean, 40, 40th for uh, a catcher that got hurt already. I don't know. A little too expensive. I can see if you really want to solidify the position, though. Sanchez is still the guy to get. Yeah, if you're into paying for catchers, I get it, but it just drowns people. And, so, NF- uh, NFBC's two catchers, too, right? I think so, so that would make yeah, more so sense. That, yeah, that's right. probably why. Yeah, he's going around 70 in the two early mocks, which makes a little more sense. I can almost justify that if you need to go that direction. Yeah, but, that's probably um, why. Any other major takeaways? Like between rounds two and three, I think we saw 10 to 12 pitchers go. So at least almost half of the top uh, 45 picks were pitchers, or at least uh, 18 to 20 of them were. So a lot to go for there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we like we talked about earlier, you got to grab one. And you got to yeah. feel confident that, the one that you're getting you like. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a couple other players here. Uh, Alex Bregman. Mm-hmm. He's the man to me. I absolutely oh, love this kid. Yeah, he, is, <laughs> he is like contagious. Um, I'm, I'm not going to throw anything else out there. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He had a great year. He is having already a great postseason. He has sound bites for days. He is great in front of the camera. I don't know what else to say about the guy, but um, I, honestly, he has an argument for AL MVP. He's not going to get it because he's not that good, but mm-hmm. he's been Really, really good. What are you thinking with Bregman for next year? Because right now in the two early mocks, he's going about 12th overall. Very respectable. But I could hear arguments for sooner and totally understand it. Sure. So um, I think the beef or the beef with Bregman is that, right, the average home run distance was 384, which is pretty short. Um, that's really not that far and not as far as you'd like to see for someone that popped, uh, what was it, 33 home runs. Um, but he does have a really short stroke. Um, that he can generate a lot of power with. Um, and I doubted, I, I personally doubted Lindor and Jose Ramirez in the past because um, despite their excellent contact abilities and plate discipline abilities, um, I just didn't know if they had the power, especially Lindor, right? Um, he really bulked up, but, you know, coming out of the gate, he was a pretty he was a pretty small frame guy, um, you know, lanky-ish, not like really, not like really bulky. I mean, he definitely put on some, some weight, Um so, a couple, couple, right, that he had the 384 home run distance, but Jose Ramirez's average home run distance was only 388, and he, what, hit 38 home runs? So, I, I do think Bregman probably falls back a slight amount, but not as much as everyone thinks. Probably not, you know, like, I think this year people were projecting him for 22 to 24 home runs, and I do think he's probably closer to a 30 home run hitter, but probably like 28 or 29. Um, and despite that, he's an absolute excellent, excellent hitter. And he's got a ridiculous eye. I mean, he walked more than he, than he struck out. Um, 
So no matter what, you're going to get a good batting average at the very least. And he's in the middle of the Houston lineup, so he'll score a ton of runs. So he's a good bet for runs, RBIs, and a batting average. And it's just where do you fall on the home runs? Yeah, because what I'm wondering is even if the home runs regress, does that mean his you know, his last year he had 17 steals, only 10 this year. Does that mean he gets back to maybe 15 steals and then he could take a couple hits on the homers? I think value-wise that batting average is legit. The contact skills are legit. And the job is going to be there. And he's probably going to be shortstop eligible in a lot of leagues, which could be really big because third base is deep as heck. So um, taking a third base from that early, as good as he is, sure. Is it as necessary? Maybe not. Like They all like line lineup destruction, like you said, has a lot to do with it. But I, I love Bregman. I think he's going to be good for a long time. And it's also, like you said, with Lindor and Ramirez, many thought they couldn't go to the next level and they keep going to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Bregman in the offseason finds another level to go to. And sure. we're just like, we're just like man, because he's still so young. He's still like, you look at his numbers throughout the minors to here, they just keep increasing and increasing. So it's going to be crazy. But I agree with everything you said. It makes sense that the, the regression should come. Still makes him a darn good ball player and at least – you know, late first round, early second round for sure. Yeah. So, so what, what I've started to kind of preach um, recently is the truly elite contact and discipline guys um, should get looked at through a different lens. Um, so Juan Soto is a good example, right? Bregman's a good example. Jose Ramirez and Lindor are good examples, right? Even Christian Yelich, who we're about to talk about is a great example, right? These guys have such good control of the zone that they absolutely punish mistakes and can punish good pitches as well. Um, And the balls just fly over the fence. Right. And in the past, I've been a little bit skeptical that, you know, some of these smaller guys can really generate power, but we also see, you know, we know all know about the fly ball revolution and launch angles and whatnot. Right. And I think that has something to do with it, that these players understand that when a ball gets in the strike zone and they know they can hit it, they're going to hit it. And I think that's exactly what Yelich did. I know, I know I'm just going to roll right into him. Right. But, um, right. Like Yelich didn't up his fly ball rate. And that's what we all expected him to do. Everyone kept saying, Oh my God, if he just puts the ball in the air, he's going to walk his way to 30 home runs. He didn't do that, but he absolutely crushed pitches that he should. I mean, the hard contact was up to 47.6%, right? And that's all he's done. So he's got such a good understanding of the zone as well with Bregman and those other guys I mentioned that I think we just have to start looking at these guys in a different light. I think that's a great, great way you're saying it there because there's a lot to be said where people, yeah, launch angle revolution. They got to, you know, adjust the, you know, launch of the ball. But that exit velocity is such a massive part of it, like you're saying, and their contact skills and their back to ball skills that, it just changes everything. Like even we talked about Vlad to start the day when Vlad hits the baseball, like even that clip we saw, I didn't need to see where it landed. Just the sound it made the bat speed. You knew that thing was launched. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't need to see how it left his bat at what angle it's bat. Just the fierceness that he hit that baseball <laughs> is all you needed to know. And that's what these guys do. Like you're saying, like when, when, when they just, when they approach the contact spot in the zone, they're hitting it just so right and such a good exit velocity. That's a, that's a really, really good point and a good way to look about it. It's a, it's a different way to approach what is a revolution right now. So very much in play. Let's go to Christian Yellick. You hit on him who, um, if people are listening to the podcast by now, they probably know all about Christian Yellick, but he's, he's a monster. <laughs> he is the likely National League MVP. 
He 36 homers, 22 stolen bases, 118 runs, 110 RBIs, 326 average. Miami fans are crying. So many things going on. Um, he's and surprisingly, and some of this mock draft data might have been before his insane, insane run. But he was only going 16th overall. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I imagine he'll be within the top 12 um, when we roll around to March and, and February. Um, I mean, he just had too good of a season. Um, the stolen bases were still there. I mean, he he just he just completely popped off. And plus, right, he's in he's in the better ballpark. I think Milwaukee's not substantially better for lefties. I could have that wrong. I can't remember if it's good for lefties or righties. But still, it's a it's a better ballpark overall than gigantic uh, Marlins Park uh, or what's it? What's it? What's the name of the park? Just crazy statue in Lesterner Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ginormous park. Yeah, so yeah. right, Milwaukee's better than than Miami. Um, so that certainly helps. And I, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's he's got again such good discipline skills. He's always had great discipline skills. Um, he's always been able to put the bat on the ball, like you said. Um, yeah, I think he'll be within the top twelve when it's all said and done. Yeah, I was I was really really happy to see Christian really kind of turn into that stud because you remember it in the preseason when the trade happened and you know, like you said everyone says he's going to launch the ball and all these things. The biggest take home from all the arguments there is there was a group of people that thought Yellick would not succeed here, and there's a group of people that thought he was going to be the man. <laughs> well, he's the man, so it's good to see at least we got one answer. I'll, I'll go that far. I won't say which side you know people were on, but at least we got an answer. Instead yeah. of mediocrity, he was amazing, and he still is. He, you know, home run in Game One of the NLDS, and now he gets to go face Kershaw tomorrow night. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and, he, and right, he's only twenty seven, so he's he's in the prime, right? So there's no yeah. reason to think that he should significantly regress. And he gets to play Paul Sporer when they make the Fangraphs movie, so it's going to be totally awesome. <laughs> um, Let's talk Javi Baez. Uh, Baez, like I said earlier, I've taken the L on him. I've talked about him on a lot of podcasts because I just like hearing all you different people's smart opinions on some of these guys because I think that's what makes us all better. And Javi Baez it still scratches my head. Like the K rate's okay. The bat-ups through the roof. The contact skills just came out of nowhere. There's still a lot of concerns I have with Javi Baez, but every time I'd said I was concerned, he kept producing 34 homers, 21 stolen bases, and he hit 290. You can't ignore these numbers. How do you look at Javi Baez going to 2019? Yeah, um, I find it tough to get behind Baez so early. Um, so I was on, I was a believer in the sense that I thought something like this was within the range of outcomes. Um, I did not think it was likely because of the awful, awful chase rate, which actually got worse somehow. Yeah, that's what's um, crazy. That's crazy. So. So like I mentioned earlier, right, he was a guy we were taking 140 plus last year overall. Um, and not because, again, not because we didn't think this was a possible outcome, but because the range of outcomes were so, so varied, right? So he bought himself some goodwill, right, as he had a near MVP caliber season. Um, but it's not like the Cubs are absolutely thin. And just like Mondesi, right, if he comes out of the gate batting 210 for two months, Right, which is certainly possible when you're chasing that much. Um, there's no guarantee that he'll he'll still be put in every day. I mean, it was a very short time ago that he wasn't starting every day. Um, yep. So I don't think that'll happen because he swings so, so much that 
he puts the bat on the ball no matter what. Um, and that's what happens when you swing at literally everything. Uh, but again, the range of outcomes are just too, too broad for me, um, for me to totally buy in. Yeah, because uh, 21st overall in the two early mocks, you know, right behind him a couple picks later, would you rather have Trevor Story or Javi Baez? Because Trevor Story is another guy that burst out this year. Oh, man, Trevor Story. Um, well, Story right another, now has – Another guy I take the yell on. Story has – oh, yeah, I mean, didn't we all? I, I mean, I looked at a lot of a lot of tape last year or in his – yeah, his last season – to see if there was like any big mechanical adjustment between the two years. And I couldn't really find anything. So I was taken aback why he, he took the leap. Um, but Story's got a longer track record than Baez has of doing this. Yep. So, oh man, I, I don't know. I, I It's like part of me is like, oh yeah, I mean, he had an absolutely great season and MVP caliber, but I just can't get myself away from seeing him flail at absolutely awful pitches. Yeah. It's built in, obviously playing in Coors helps, but it's like a down season from story would not shock me at all. Like at all. And it's, it's like, I finally stopped buying into him after years of buying into him. And it, it was tilting to watch that happen. And it's like the second I buy back in, I'm ready to get let down again. Well, it's let me ask you, time. would you rather have, um, would you have rather have Correa or Baez or Story? That's where I was going next because Correa is a point of contention. I have talked to a lot of guys about this, not necessarily on this show, but just on Twitter when you know conversations come up. And I do the same thing. I bring up what about Carlos Correa because this is the guy that we were taking what late first round, early second round in, the, in last year's drafts, and now he's already fallen down to twenty eighth in the two early mocks. And he's broken. The thing is, I think I'd almost, as crazy as this is, I'd almost rather gamble on Correa because <laughs> of how people need to look at so much more. Hopefully that's why they listen to your podcast, my podcast, another podcast to get information like this. The dude is banged up. He oh, is my hurt. God. He's, he's he dead. Is, yeah. Like an off season will do wonders for this man. Like we will see him again. And he took a big break. He went deep the other night. I, I said on my other baseball show when I, we did the big preseason preview, I picked him to be the uh, World Series MVP. I said, he's going to wake up. These days off are going to help him. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to help him. The most important thing will be an offseason. Right now, to me, and maybe there's more to it, but I, I really just think he's hurt. Trying to hit home runs with a bad back. He's got a bad wrist, all kinds of other things. The best thing for him is rest right now. So I think uh, – I think he's going to be very good. We're going to get him at a discount, and I, I'd take him over those two for sure. Yeah, so obviously I'm an Astros homer, right? But I I echo everything you just said, right? He's definitely hurt. He played this season definitely hurt. I've watched a shit ton of Carlos Correa. I know he's significantly better than this. And at, whatever, 28, you're getting a top 10 talent at 28. Like, this is this is the guy to go get. And yeah, I'd definitely I definitely rather have him over story and bias. I never understood with a team with as much depth as the Astros, like so much depth, why they kept rushing him back. Cause it's not like they weren't, I know the A's were kind of creeping, but they kind of had it in control the whole time too. I never understood that one. Yeah. I don't really know either. I mean, they did give him a lot of time though. Yeah. That's like, that's how broken he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Dude, and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna like toss in another name too, Chris Bryant, right? Who's going right before him? He's another one that I 
absolutely love. I mean, he went 38th in NFPC. Are you kidding me? Yeah. He's just he's just dead. And both of them are just dead. They're absolutely great players. And how many times have you seen it? He just told the Cubs no to $200 million because he's going to go play for a contract. We know how that usually works out. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm like, it doesn't work out every time. Obviously, it's not like the golden rule. But more often than not, with a guy with a talent level of Chris Bryant, once healthy again next year, I think he's going to have some fun next season. I agree with you completely. He was going at the end of the first rounds last year. A lot of guys loved him on the turn and the 15-team drafts. Um, I think he's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal at that point. So uh, the biggest take-home, I guess, this shows us is that's how deep these positions are right now. Uh, the first, like I said earlier, four rounds or so, literally – Outside of having to get pitching, if that's what you're focused on, you could almost go best available player and put together quite the ball club before really focusing. Obviously, that's not what we do, but it's almost laid out that way right now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now that I'm thinking about it, too, right? So Story and Baez are alike in a sense that they've had, they've had, um, well, Baez hasn't, but Story has had a truly awful batting average season. Baez has floated around 270, but the, the thing is, is like I feel like Bryant and Correa are a much better bet to bat two ninety plus next year than Story and Baez are. Oh, no doubt. There's a there's a track record, a thing called consistency, which I really really enjoy. And Chris Bryant, outside of this year, where again we'll say it again, broken. You know, in fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen, at twenty six, thirty nine, twenty nine home runs, hit two seventy five, two ninety two, two ninety five. Even in the minors, a, a, a three twenty one, a two ninety five, a three fifty five. Basically, you can tell the kid hits the baseball. It's yeah. very, very simple. And people might say, "Well, what about his Babbitt? It's consistent. This is what he does. Um, his strikeout rates this this year alone in the minors was bad in his rehab, but you know, a low twenty strikeout rate. He's got a, his walk rate was the same. Most things were the same, except his just health. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the shoulders completely sapped his power, and the back sapped Correa's power. I mean, it seems very obvious to me and you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I hope we're not missing something else that everybody else claims. Like, it's not so easy for everybody else, apparently. That's the weird part. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, speaking of Chris Bryant, so you like him quite a bit. Um, how high would you go on him if you had to? Um, Let me look at this list. Uh... Like, would you go over Freddie Freeman with Chris no, Bryant? No, probably not. Um, but that's that's like right around where I was looking. So right, so it's um, Sale at sixteen, Freeman at eighteen, uh, Judge at like an eighteen ADP, and then Kluber at twenty, and then Baez at twenty-one. So I'm slotting him probably like right behind Judge. How about Judge? Okay, so before Baez, you take him over Stanton, Benintendi, Blackman. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Just think about that right now. Blackman dropping all the way down to 25th. I know I got him, uh, I want to say like 29th or something like that in ours. I got him in third round. What's your thoughts on Blackman dropping down? Because he's still going to be in Coors. I know the power slipped a little this year compared to last year, but that was expected. You shouldn't have expected him to go crazy. Yeah, so um, Blackman, I uh, I had a lot of beef with him going so high this year because I thought that the steals wouldn't come again um, and they'd pretty much dry up. Um, and they haven't completely, but for his career, he's not actually a, an excellent base dealer. He's like 66% or so, um, which is not really all that good. And now he's getting older. He's going to be 30, like 32 and a half or so, um, beginning of next season. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, I know cores is nice. Um, the cores effect is good. Um, I don't know how he did on the road. I I remember seeing they all they all of them did pretty awful on the road. Yeah, he batted two forty nine. The the pop was still there, but yeah, two forty nine is pretty rough. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think I'm actually okay with it here. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. Um, what's your thoughts on this player? He's been a perennial like first or second round pick. He's going forty sixth overall in the two early mocks. Joey Votto. Okay, so I own Votto, um, and I like the discount. Uh, the the one caveat I'll say is that I watched a lot of him because I owned him this year, um, and he definitely shortened up his swing a ton. Um, and I think he choked up more this year than I've ever seen him before. Um, and I think he might have thought that he was losing a step. I mean, he might actually be losing a step, and he was just adjusting. I, I mean, he's thirty six years old now. Um, I think he likes the batting the batting average approach too much to just abandon it um, for 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 power. But again, the upside is just too good to pass on Votto at this price. Um, and he was still an OPS monster, right? So in OPS leagues, he's still very very valuable despite only hitting what was it nine or ten home runs. Yeah, no, he's he's extremely valuable at this point. It's pretty crazy because you know a couple of hitters going right before him, George Springer. Uh, Reese Hoskins, our boy Witt, Albies, Bellinger. Would you rather try Belly Bombs or Joey Votto? Ooh, ooh man. Um, this is a tough one. I think. Uh, I think if I. I know. I think if I had. If I had someone. If I had taken Baez or Story, I'd take Votto. Um, if I went with safer batting average guys, then I'd take Ballinger. Okay. What about Anthony Rizzo and Joey Votto? Give me Rizzo. Okay. Because he that let hurt. people down that, here too. That hurts. Yeah. Sounds like Votto's your boy. You got a little, little love for Votto here. I mean, who doesn't have a little love for Votto? Yeah. How do you not like, <laughs> how do you not like Mr. Maple Syrup himself? It's, yeah. It's I mean, he's the man. He plays pranks on fans. He's the best. <laughs> yeah. We will miss him. We will definitely miss him. Um, all right. Let's talk about a couple guys you've been uh, doing some work on here lately. Um, as a Giants fan, I do really, really like the A's. I adopted the A's this year. I've been on the A's train. Matt Chapman, I really said he better get some sort of MVP votes. Maybe not first overall, but you know the third or fourth picks. He should be on that ballot somewhere. Like he was that good and that important at ball club. Uh, what are you? What did you see by digging in more on Matt Chapman? And what are you looking forward to next year with Matt Chapman? Yeah. So I like a week ago before I looked at a lot of tape, um, I had said, okay, like I think eighty eighty five is probably going to be too expensive because. Again, like I said earlier, you can get Justin Turner, who's a very similar player, later. Um, and I still stand by that because I don't know how much power upside Chapman truly has. But after watching the videos of Chapman take a lot of at-bats, um, he reminds me a lot of Bregman, to be honest. Um, the swing is very short and compact. He's got excellent discipline. Um, he's got good bat-to-ball skills. Everything I just described about all those other guys that that kind of popped off. Um, so I think I'd probably put Chapman like upside at like thirty or thirty-one home runs, 
But still, he's a zero in stolen bases, and he's still probably not going to hit as high of a batting average as Justin Turner will. I mean, Turner pretty much came back and was Justin Turner. And the injury was a fluke injury, right? He got hit in the hand or hit in the wrist. Um, so it's not like he's particularly injury prone. I mean, I know he had some hamstring injury injuries too that have lurked around. So he'll probably get sat. I mean, the Dodgers are deep, so he can afford to be sat, which does hurt his value. But again, still, he was pretty much on pace for Justin Turner-like season. So it's not that I don't like Chapman. Um, I do. I actually really love him. I'm with you, right? He should have garnered MVP votes. Um, but I just don't know how how valuable 275, 280 with 30 home runs and no steals is. How much right, more going, valuable it is than Turner, rather. Yeah, he's going about 85th overall in the two early mocks. A couple picks before him, Josh Donaldson. Oh, no, give me Chapman. All right. Um, I know it's not the same position, but what about Chapman and Scooter Jeanette? Give me Chapman. (laughs) (laughs) Seems a little trickier. Um, Because Justin Turner went 88th, Chapman's going 85th. Oh, really? Yeah, Turner went 89th, I should say. Oh, okay, okay. All right, that's actually not so bad then. Maybe so. I, I imagine that Turner would get a bigger discount than he's getting. So, um, I'm probably going to be a terrible fantasy analyst and walk back a little bit. <laughs> no problem. Um, Miguel Andahar is going 92nd. You still want Chapman? Yeah, give me Chapman. By All right, so Nick Castellanos. Nick I guess I like Chapman. Yeah, give me Chapman. You do like Chapman. I, I love Chapman. I, I give it. Now, you wouldn't go. I, mean, I know this is a stupid question now. You wouldn't go as crazy and take him over Chris Bryant, would you? Chapman over Chris Bryant? Yeah. No, nah, no way. What about over Glaber Torres? Yes. I like that. I like you, kid. I like you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Um, all right, let's talk about another Matt in the Bay Area. Matt Olson, who two years ago, second half surge, power machine. Everybody loved him. Now he kind of uh, – he had a good year last year. I guess it might not have met the standards of many. The power was off and on, it felt like especially mm-hmm. with the DFS world I live in. Um, what's your thoughts on Olsen when you dug in on him? Yeah, so um, he's got a clear hole. Um, and I, I think it's pretty apparent both with his swing and with um, his uh, his hot his hot cold ch- chart. Um, and it's definitely up in the zone. Um, the swing is that huge, huge uppercut swing um, that just doesn't enable him to get to the high the high heat. Um, and it shows in that, that zone chart. I implore everyone to take a look. Um, it's like pretty much a band of cold at the top quadrant of the zone. Um, and, you know, it's tough. It's tough to be a really, really good hitter with such a huge cold zone. With that said, though, Olsen's got tremendous power. And I thought that um, coming into this year, right, everyone was like, oh, my God. They saw 40 home runs and glazed over their eyes everyone was like oh my god he's guaranteed to hit 40 he's got to hit 40 and i definitely see it right he's got the 40 home run potential um and i think he'll probably get closer to it this year with a year to now under his belt to make adjustments right he had like 250 plate appearances that first that first cup of tea now he's got a full season um he's got a glaring weakness so i imagine that he'll probably try and make some adjustments i don't know if they'll work right but He'll probably try and make some adjustments. Um, and I do like him for more pop. 
Um, so overall, I like him better this year. I feel more comfortable taking him as high as he's going this year than I did last year. Um, when you look at a guy like uh, Olsen, like he, everything you mentioned there, he's going 105. Going at 95 is Joey Gallo. Yeah, I definitely like Olsen over Gallo. What about Olsen? Huh. I, I thought it was funny last year going into the draft. Like you said, everybody had their eyes all covered on him. It was like Olsen or Bellinger or Olsen and Greg Bird. It's like, I think we saw how that one turned out. Yeah. But, um, you know, Matt Olsen, Travis Shaw. Um, Travis Shaw is like the safety pick. I think Matt Olsen's is the upside pick. Okay. Uh, Matt, who? Here we go. Matt Olsen or Max Muncie? I believe. Give me Muncie. Muncie's going 124. He's going 20 picks after Matt Olson. What, 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 who are you taking there? I really need to look at Max Muncie more. Like, I, I'm a guy that I'll take chances in drafts from time to time, but people kind of get bored with my drafts because I like to have a pretty good floor. Muncie, I literally was almost out of baseball. I really want to know where the heck this came from. Sure. Um, it, it, it was crazy. Like, I need to see more. I need some – of the smart people to do all the, the data work. I can read their articles and stuff like that because I really need to see what this was. Cause what he's done has been amazing. There's no questioning that. And he's doing it still in the postseason. but mm-hmm. it, it's wild for a guy that was like in the ace farm system, other farm systems, almost out of baseball. And now he's crushing it for possibly the national league champions. It, yes. It's pretty wild. So, so there's like two things. Um, the first is that, Muncy just absolutely tore the cover off the ball, um, right? So he he was up towards the top of the barrel per plate appearance chart at the very very early of the season, and I was um, I was able to grab him in one of my leagues, actually two of my leagues, um, almost three. But um, so, and just like uh, Chris Taylor the year before, he was also one that. Uh, led the barrels per plate appearance. So there's almost always a guy that kind of jumps off. And I think it's not surprising that it's two Dodgers back-to-back years. I think um, I think Justin Turner's whispering sweet nothings into these guys' ears and, uh, you know, telling them how to how to make adjustments. Because, I mean, Justin Turner's like the poster boy for, for launch angle yeah. changes, right? Like, he was one of the first to do it. Um, so... I think there's I think there's something to be said about the Dodgers. Um, so yeah, Muncie's just absolutely destroyed the ball when he's made contact, um, and he's got a and he's got a pretty disciplined approach, if I'm not mistaken. Very disciplined. Well, I, I like what he's doing up there. It looks legit. I just want to see where it's coming from, and and also I want to see what the Dodgers do in the offseason because once everyone got healthy this year, it got kind of annoying that he wasn't playing all the time. Sure. And if I'm taking a guy there, at least I know Olsen's getting every day at bats. Um, so there's that caveat too. I'd imagine they're going to find a home for Muncie or if anything, trade him and get something for him. Like he should be playing for what he did. Um, so that shouldn't be an issue. I still want to see what the Dodgers do at first. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, let's talk about one last guy here. Another Matt third Matt in a row, Matt Carpenter, who, you know, many thought was dead to rights to start the season. Me being one of them. Me too. Somehow, (laughs) somehow I was like shoulder magically changed. No, mine's the worst because, I had him in TGFBI and I dropped him. I, dude, I don't follow you. I mean, I, like six weeks in, um, we we talked about him and I remember declaring him dead. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I, like I there him. with you. I was on 
um, in this league's podcast was it with the Welsh and Bogman, and I declared him dead on their show, which um, <laughs> is much bigger than my show. And um, so that was a great, you know, appearance on that show because it was literally I think two or three weeks later where just boom goes the dynamite, and um, he was going everywhere. But it hurt. I needed to do it though. I had no choice. I had no one else to get rid of. But um, he tore it up: thirty-six homers, eighty-one ribbies, two ninety-one. Are we thinking this is back? Because, you know, he's been really good, but had a couple kind of up and down seasons. Is he back? Uh, I, I don't really know. I, I Honestly, I mean, that's not the answer anyone wants to hear, right? But so let me like it's break okay. it down. It's October 2018. We got time. Let me let me break it down a little bit, right? So obviously he just went like unconscious during that tear. At one point over 15, a 15 game average, he had a 98.5% Z contact, which is ridiculous that means pretty much everything that came into the zone that he swung at he hit um which is which is just absurd right um he he benefited from barreling up a ton of balls and hitting them more frequently at the sweet spot launch angles right so his largest group of batted ball launch angles were in this order right so 30 30 to 35 degrees 20 to 25 degrees 25 to 30 degrees and then finally 35 to 40 degrees, right? That's a good that's a good area to be in. Most other bad. most other ball players have a lot of balls that hit or hit below 20 degrees. And I think that's evident in obviously Carpenter's fly ball percentage. I mean, he's always been a fly ball guy. Um, but he's hitting he's hitting them in good launch angle sweet spots. I think it's just hard to predict a tear like that. I mean, he was just he was like it was like ones and zeros, right? He was just locked in Terminator style. Um, so I don't know. You and I were very quick to call him dead. So I just don't feel comfortable calling him, you know, back. Yeah, and and if it, if we have any saving grace here, if we look at the two early mocks, he's going anywhere from forty three to sixty eight. So people we talk to quite a bit and and interact with and do a lot of great work. There's a 25-point gap, but 25-pick gap. That says a lot about the comfort zone, I'd say, with Matt Carpenter right now. Um, some people love him, believe it. Some, not so much. Uh, he's going 52nd overall. Right before him, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Would you rather have Vladdy or Carpenter? Hmm. Give me Carpenter. Uh, what about Eugenio Suarez or Carpenter? Give me Carpenter. I'm a Suarez fan, but I feel like I need to go Carpenter too. This one, I think I'll go the other way. Carpenter or Anthony Rendon? Um, yeah, I think a lot of uh, a lot of Rendon's woes. I I I'm attributing them to his foot injury. Um, once he got hurt, he kind of he kind of really slowed up, and he never really ran a lot or as much. Um. Yeah, I feel more comfortable in Rendon. And Rendon's just got the, again, elite, elite bat-to-ball skills. Yep, his contact skills ridiculous. Like, he is such a pure hitter. Uh, I talked about it I, every morning in my MLB DFS show, and he was always so mispriced on, on DraftKings. And his just talent level in the middle, hitting cleanup in an order, he just doesn't get respect that he deserves. He's so good when he's healthy and right. He's very, very, very good. Um and this just goes to show you, we'll kind of wrap it up with a few more thoughts here, but if, you, if you're doing 15-team drafts, so round four is 45 through 60, average ADP on these two early mocks is you have Votto, 
Suarez, Bogarts, Vladdy, Carpenter, Rendon, Corbin, Granke, Paxton, Strasburg, Lorenzo Kane. A lot of those guys were going in rounds two and maybe even three last year. That's how deep things are this year. Yeah, and and the other thing I want to mention too, right? The 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 max for Vladdy was seventy five. So yeah, just be prepared to pay up. Yeah, someone paid twenty three. Twenty. That's too high. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Like fifty, fifty, fifty yeah. one. I'm like, okay, I get yeah. it. The dude, the like legit talent. I get. Yeah. It. Um, and seventy five, I'd be ecstatic with. I, I it was probably a month ago when these the data started coming out for the two early mocks. I looked back at last year's two early mocks. And Acuna was going about 100. So I think a lot of what happened this year with these young players we talked about, people are taking even a bigger stance on the guys like Vladdy. Eloy Jimenez is uh, – I saw his name just a second ago. He's like 70 uh, – right here. He's going um, – where'd you go, little fella? Uh, he's right outside. He's 111. And this guy, we still don't think he's going to come up for the first month. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got he's got a lot of uh, a lot of power potential. That's for oh. certainly sure. I love Eloy. Eloy's and, great, and he's he's crushed the ball. But yeah, I mean, um, again, it's it's hard, right? Because a lot of these guys are coming up more ready than ever, right? Um, mm-hmm. so I, I've I've been the type that. Usually it was always like, oh no, I don't want to chase the the big guy. I don't want I don't want to be that guy. But I mean, it's it's getting harder and harder to to just totally neglect them. I mean, look at last year, freaking or Cody Bellinger destroyed the ball. I mean, he yep. was like an absolute animal. This year we have Acuna and Soto. I mean, it's getting harder and harder to ignore. That's for certainly sure. And teams are getting better and better at making sure that their top picks are actually good. Yeah, they're getting better and better at it because if not, they get rid of them. Um, they're bringing them up and they're ready instead of playing around. At least most of them are now. So it, there's a lot to like about it. The youth movement in baseball is phenomenal. It is yeah. great for the game. So yeah, it definitely is. It. All right, Joe. I think that'll wrap us up for tonight. Uh, any final thoughts as you're kind of enjoying the postseason, getting ready for a big, big weekend in a few weeks and anything else going on? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just excited to watch postseason baseball, man. Um, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate being on your show. Um, you're you're a great listen. Um, and yeah, enjoy enjoy some playoff baseball. And in December we get hot stove, which is going to be fun because we get to see where Harper and Machado are going. Dude, how, how 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 crazy is it already that we've got a trade and a free agent signing already, and we're only in this league championship series? I, I know they're, te- they're teasing us. I know the the Victor Victor hype is is getting crazy. <laughs> yeah, my God, he's going to be going off the charts. But yes, Machado Harper, I cannot wait. I, I'm scared that they're going to pull one of those wait till the last minute, like last year. And then all the dominoes fall for everybody else. Like they all have to wait for those two to sign. Yeah, but I think um, I think that'll happen again. But I think Machado will get the deal fast, right? JD can't play defense. Machado yeah. is good. <laughs> and he can play two positions. Like yeah, he can do so, whatever he wants. <laughs> so I imagine I, I actually think Machado's gonna get the bigger deal than Harper. Where where do you think Machado goes? I honestly don't know. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> do, you, do you have any idea? I think he goes to Philly. Philly, that's a good choice. I, I think it's a great spot for him, but what what about Harper? Harper then goes to LA. LA. Okay. It's either well it, the easy way out, it's either LA. Or the Yankees, and I'm just telling myself I cannot picture him in pinstripes. Even though I'm a Giants fan, I don't want to see him in blue either. 
But nah. I think it's more. I think it's more realistic. He's not going to be a Yankee. I mean, dude, if he ends up on the Yankees, he'd get booed to ever loving shit. I promise. Could you imagine him in Fenway Park and pinstripes? Oh my god, it'd be amazing. Oh my god, <laughs> nah, no way, no way, it's not gonna happen. He would, he would I, melt. I, I'm with you. I think I think LA lands one of the two of them at least. Oh, for sure, for sure, one of the two. But yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, Joe, thanks for listening or joining me. Yeah, um, yeah, thanks for having always, me, man. Always good. We'll have to do it again sometime. Uh, do a little pre-draft talk or something like that. Yeah, um, cool. Everybody, go listen to their podcast. His, his co-host Pat's been on the show before. Really good guys. Over there, the Fantasy World Order podcast over there on Fantrax.com. Um, Joe is on Twitter at JoeFWO. We got tons of good stuff, so go check him out. Again, Joe, thanks for joining me. Thanks a lot, man. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 126, with Joe Saunders. Catch you guys later.